So there comes a point where you've had three episodes of the last six of your podcast featuring lawyers. And you're starting to wonder whether your podcast about Linky Land is turning into a podcast about lawyers and what, sh- what should be done about that? <laughs> hey, welcome to In Linky Land, a podcast about the power of creating and connecting on LinkedIn. My name is Tony Albrecht, and I have been thinking about that, and it's leading to a few things that are going to be changing. Um, I was expecting to continue just recording episodes of In Linky Land weekly until the the sun ceases to burn um, i we're now deciding to take a pause after i think it's probably going to be a couple more episodes so we're going to get to i think 23 in what we're calling season one and then we're going to take a little break and part of the reason to do that is when i started recording this podcast I was in a different place, actually, professionally. I had a full-time job. I had a little side hustle where I was starting to help people with writing posts and executing on LinkedIn strategy. And I just had this idea as a kind of fun little side project that might help uh, help build my brand and uh, help connect people. And I think our first episode went live toward the end of September, 2022. And I mean, it's funny. Yeah. When that episode was recorded, I pretty much expected to still be working full-time for mission matters group, the company I was at, for the next several years at least and within five weeks of when that first episode came out i was all in building contender um with (laughs) with the blessing of of my ceo at mmg uh, who's also a good friend josh so it's it that all happened very quickly and frankly it's part of why I made this podcast, right? Is is that once you discover the power of the LinkedIn platform, opportunities can present themselves and you can find yourself doing stuff that you never would have expected. And now I find myself building out the linked lawyer brand, uh, which consists of our our post-writing operation, and that we're launching a community this week for lawyers who want to spend more time building a brand, building a presence online. Um, we've got the linked lawyer newsletter. And then the fourth leg of this stool is going to be the linked lawyer podcast, um, which I'll be sharing more about in the coming weeks. Um, so I'm I find myself at at a crossroads of 
of this podcast, where I definitely want this podcast to continue existing. It's going to continue existing. Um, but at the moment, it's a rather expensive hobby. <laughs> so figure as somebody who wants to chase every shiny object and I, I just come up with project ideas, right? And then I'm goofy enough to come up with the idea and like this podcasting, let's do it. Let's see what happens. And now that I'm building contender, building this business, it is requiring a level of focus from me that is anathema to my personality, but also, and then this sounds cliche maybe, but an opportunity for growth that I'm excited about. I'm genuinely excited about, okay, what if, I I practice saying no and I intentionally prioritize, identify what is most essential and make that really difficult <laughs> practice of pumping the brakes on other stuff. And for this moment where we've been kind of scaling um, contender, you know, this podcast is one I need to, to take a little bit of a break on. So hopefully not too long of a break. I'm saying six weeks until we're into season two. And I think season two is going to be focused on the LinkedIn economy that's evolving. I think that's going to be um, interesting to explore. And my hope is really useful for people who are trying to build businesses or even come up with a business idea that they can then try and, and maybe fail on executing on. But that's kind of where we're going with this episode today. Christine Yuri and Sean Sethna, uh, two of the folks who are in this legal corner of LinkedIn. And a lot of what we talk about in this episode, I think is going to be readily applicable to people in a lot of different industries where, you know, Sean and Christine, um, Sean actually was in the middle of a career transition changing roles when we were recording this. Uh, he's now the general counsel at a, a company called Tech GC. Um, Christine is the chief legal officer and chief sustainability officer for a large multinational company. Um, and they're two people who tend to focus their content on quote unquote value that relates to their professional development. And I, I say this because there's this ongoing debate about the balance between professional and personal where LinkedIn was a place to share personal, or, or I'm sorry, to share professional updates, announcements, 
press releases, um, news articles, those sorts of things. And it, it led to a platform that was very boring. LinkedIn has gotten more interesting as more people have started sharing more personal content. That said, it's like a dial. It's saying, okay, so turning the professional up to 100 and the personal to zero isn't very interesting. So what is that balance that is optimal? I would say that I mean, for me, my, my, my stuff tends to be probably more like two thirds personal stuff, where it's more say like aspirational, inspirational rather than informational, educational. It's kind of how I think about that. Um, and I, I'll be honest with you, if, if reach is any indication, the platform, the algorithm is not liking what I'm doing recently where, I mean, I'm still getting a lot of engagement, a lot of reactions, a lot of comments, uh, but my posts are not spreading in the way that they were six months ago, nine months ago. Um, in a way that's, I mean, frankly, it's interesting to me. I like LinkedIn doesn't owe me anything. That's something I talk to people about. Um, yeah, it's on us. It's on me as a creator to adapt to the game as the game changes. And I think there's a a bias to to feel that something is being taken from me. You know that in in some way I'm owed those impressions, those views. I'm not. You're not. Nobody is. We have to be willing to adjust and adapt as things go along. Uh, and I do think that Sean and Christine are two pretty good examples of pros who show up as experts in what they do and as authorities in their industries in a way that, frankly, is instructive to me for for where I'm at right now and, and how I'm thinking about evolving as a creator and improving my game. I think that's enough out of me. Let's get after it. Christine, Sean, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Um, I want to start this conversation, which is the second in the Linky Land era to involve me cutting it up with, with a couple other lawyers. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to see the territory we cover with the two of you after having talked to Chattaboot and, and Brittany Leonard, whom I know you both are, are familiar with uh, in the LinkedIn sphere. But um, I want to start where we typically start, which is your experience with LinkedIn, where you're both uh, consistent content creators and contributors on, on the platform, and you have been uh, for some time. And you know, so many of us have this experience of you know, the platform being this very dry, very buttoned up place where we're, we're just stashing our digital resume and we're sharing company announcements. 
and letting people know when we're switching jobs and that's about it. And the two of you have broken the mold there in, in the legal industry, which is one of those very buttoned up industries where not many people are doing that. Um, so I want to start with your experiences of how long you've been on the platform, uh, at what point you started to experiment with with LinkedIn in a different way, uh, and what it is you care about and what you talk about with what you're doing. And then also, uh, let us know where you're where you're coming from. Christine, you want to lead us off? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. First of all, thanks uh, for having me on the show. I literally listen to it every Saturday morning when I get going. Love it. So I appreciate the chance to be here. Uh, I started on LinkedIn. I probably had a like a resume up in 2010, you know, re really long time ago. Never really um, used it until maybe 2017 or so, I started using it mostly for my company because I'm in an executive role. So I was promoting different events at our company and in, uh, in that kind of thing. So in my really in my in my job role, I was posting uh, not super often, but, you know, often enough that I had maybe 2000 followers or so a lot of company employees. Uh, and then in January 2020, I decided to start using it differently. And I had I had two ideas of, of things I wanted to accomplish. So first, um, you know, it's kind of different from your, your typical chief legal officer. I built up this reservoir of knowledge about sustainability and ESG, both because I'm at a sustainability company and also I am the chief sustainability officer in addition to my legal role. And I I really saw more in-house counsel getting pulled into this area and just not really knowing what to do. So I wanted to share that knowledge out um, so in, a, in hopes of kind of inspiring more to get started or accelerating that process. And I thought, you know, social media is a great way to do that. And then the other thing I really thought about was my network. I, I've been in the same company since 2013 and I'd given up really, I, before the pandemic, I was traveling every single week and I just gave up on, you know, wine and cheese events or doing anything in person because it was impossible. And my network had, had shrunk to folks in my company or folks I had worked with who had left the company. And I wanted to extend my network to be broader. So I thought, okay, I can do both at the same time and started posting in, like I said, um, January, 2021. And I, and I've just loved it. And I, I've continued to experiment and grow for the last couple of years. I've built it. I really amazing network, a, a global network of people, lots of them that I DM with like every day that I consider friends, um, and then can just continue to develop my content. Right on. And you're in Pacific Northwest. Yeah. In Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in Seattle. Right on. Cool. And uh, Sean, how about you? Yeah, so coincidentally, today uh, is my one-year anniversary of, of posting on LinkedIn. Um, I started exactly one year ago. Um, uh, for me, the motivation to do it, um, or I should say, like like Christine, I mean, before then, I you know, I had the digital resume up there. I would connect with people I actually knew, so I'd have a way to reach them if I needed it. But that was it. Nothing else. 
And so then a year ago, I, I started posting regularly. And, and really the, the motivation to do that was entirely self-serving and transactional. Um, I, I had been looking for a, a general counsel job for, for a few months. I had gotten to the point where I felt I was ready to take that step. Um, I was having trouble um, you know, gaining, gaining some traction, building relationships. I realized I really didn't have a network other than, like Christine was saying, my current and former co-workers. I worked remotely even pre-pandemic, and so I didn't even know people in Houston where, where I am. And, and uh, a few people had mentioned, you know, getting active on LinkedIn as, as something that could, that could help. And it sounded like something that I would not enjoy. It sounded like something that, that would just make me absolutely miserable. Um, but, but I thought it was like, okay, it's like eating veggies. It's like waking up early to exercise. I don't want to do it. But if I, if I want the life that comes with it, I have to suck it up and do it. And, and so I, so I got started and I want to say probably within, within two weeks, three weeks, I started to really, really enjoy it. I mean, the kinds of people that, that I would feel that I already started to know just by virtue, even if I didn't have a one-on-one -on -one conversation, just kind of seeing how they'd regularly comment or I'd see, or I'd comment on their posts and look at them more closely and felt, wow, I'm really actually getting to know a lot of people that I never would have otherwise. They're getting to know me. Um, and this is fun in and of itself. In the back of my mind, I was thinking, yes, and I'm also building up a network that could come in handy as I start focusing uh, more and more on a, on a job search. But in and of itself, it's it's fun. Um, and then keep, you know, that story played out a, a few months more, and and I really put the job search on the back burner for a while because so I was like, you know what, I'm focused on on this because I am. It's something that I enjoy. It's something that um, I'm getting better at my job by 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 engaging because I'm putting more thought into what I do and sharing that out there, getting feedback from others, figuring out ways to make it better. I'm reading other people's perspectives, bringing ideas that I had never thought of before. Um, and then eventually it was even the drive to create content that would be meaningful to others also helped me become more creative in my own job. I started thinking of new initiatives to try out that um, you know, I would love to say I would have done anyway, but I think the focus on really being intentional about what is important, what should I share, really got a lot of those creative juices flowing. And so that that kind of played out, as I said, over the last year. And I made you know a lot of a lot of really close contacts. Christine was being a, a little bit modest earlier. I have to say she was she was one of the people who um, who reached out to me very early, probably weeks after I'd started posting. And I don't remember if she had commented on anything at that point, but she reached out and gave me some really, really nice encouragement from somebody that was like, wow, there's this chief legal officer that I have, I have no idea who she is. And she's reaching out and she's been doing this for a long time. And she's giving me some encouragement, giving me some tips along the way. And, um, and she's continued to do that. I continue to learn so much from her all the time um, that, uh, that it's really been a really uh, a really good growth opportunity for me. Uh, you gave me a few threads to pull there, Sean. I appreciate that. And one, um, could you uh, talk a little more about the sort of stuff that you, uh, that you post about or like kind of how you approach content creation? 
Really good point. And I'm I'm actually the 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 opposite of what Christine does. I um I know it's Christine is doing what most people advise, and no, no, no surprise that she's get gets a lot of traction that way. I I get really bored if I if I really niche down and try to become an expert in in something. Um, I like my mind just works in a way that I like talking about a lot of different things. So I will I will write about contracts. I will t- write about the challenges of being a working dad. I will write about managing a team. I will write about here's how you write the perfect email subject. Like whatever whatever comes to mind um, that that I find interesting that I think could help somebody. I will I will write about. And I think you know there are advantages and disadvantages to doing something like that. I think. The, the obvious disadvantage is, you know, people don't see me and and probably won't ever, but I'm fine with it as as an expert in one or two of these these areas, and and that's fine because that's not what I'm trying to be. Um, the the advantage is I feel you know it's more likely that I will write something that will that will um, resonate with with somebody um, and with more people, even if that depth's not there. Um, but again, for me, it all comes back to having fun. I don't have a, I don't have a set goal out of this. I'm not trying to develop business. I'm not trying to, um, you know, turn, create a side hustle that then turns into my new business or anything like that. That's not, that's just not my personality. Um, and so for me, it's whatever, whatever's fun and the way I'm doing it, I'm having a lot of fun. And I'll follow up with that to ask. So the the being out here for fun resonates with me. That's I started posting on LinkedIn more. I quit practicing law, transitioned into a business development role. I had to learn for for that role, but I wasn't selling directly in a way that I described my approach as a dog chasing cars, where I was just I was writing primarily about creativity, uh, and the the pursuit of a creative life, and uh, what you said about how very quickly once once you started posting things, you know, like you found you were enjoying it. That was my experience as well, which was surprising and and has been amazing. Where I I did end up starting a side hustle that has now turned <laughs> turned into what I'm doing, which is still crazy to me. But um, but what have you seen as the upsides to what you're doing. And Christy, I'm gonna have a similar question for you. Um, but Sean, I'm interested in your, you know, when you're taking that kind of approach, because honestly, like your approach is kind of what I encourage my clients to do. It's like, to be honest with you, I don't care what you write about. I want you to write about stuff you care about, right? And it could be whatever, but like the point being, that you're showing the world through through your lens, which both of you do really well. Uh, but like Sean, to your point, yours, you you do have more of a whatever. What am I looking at right now? <laughs> Here's what I'm going to share about in a way that I I mean that aligns pretty closely with how I think about it. So I'm interested in what those benefits have been given where you're at as an in-house counsel. I think that's a really good point. I think the the number one benefit is the um, the breadth of of audience that that I eventually find. That yes, like like I su- 
I suspect is the case with all of us where we're, we're our audiences are heavily skewed towards the legal industry. But, um, but I have found a lot of people um, outside of the legal industry who maybe really, really relate to what I say about the challenges of a of a working a working father in in particular, not just a working parent. Or I found a lot of people again completely outside the legal industry who really like what I have to say about managing a team. And um, and I think if I were, you know, to to focus on one or two of those spaces, I would probably have missed out on building some of the connections that that I have. Um, so, uh, so that's the big benefit. I guess the the other benefit <laughs> is that it's a lot easier probably for me to think of new new ideas to write about um, because it's such a broad array to to choose from. I think when I when I start kind of focusing on contracts for a while or something else for a while, I feel uh, I don't really have anything new to say. I could kind of take this and redo it a little bit, but that's just not as interesting to me. And so again, it ties back to more enjoyment for me. And as long as I'm enjoying it, I'm having fun, I'm going to be more creative. Right on. And Christine, how about you? You had mentioned how your approach, you, know, you do, I mean, I find that you do a nice mix where you talk about how you, you know, you, you get posts of your dog out there pretty regularly, right? And then yeah. you've got, you know, your, your ESG and your I mean, you do some stuff that's, I, I imagine, really helpful for other people in similar positions to you. Um, so like what, what have you seen as, as the benefits of putting yourself out there in a way that very few people in the profession do? First, I would say that that people benefit from the scooter pictures, so that don't don't at all um, discount that. And you know, I I've been through a journey with it. When I first started, I I posted more broadly, and you know, I've always really thought of my audience in in three buckets. Um, one of my audiences is uh, in-house counsel, and for in-house counsel, I'm re I really am focused on sustainability and ESG because this is it's a unique background and a unique value that I can share in that community. Um, then I think of my audience as a, a broader you know business context and I've done uh, in the past I've done a lot of broad posts. I've done one on um, you know email tips. I've done one on wow, I screwed up that meeting. what do I do? you know that kind of thing. Uh, and so I, I try to get some, broader business content out there because you do get, you know, more, more readers for that. And then a really important audience for me is internal. Uh, one of the things that I learned right away is you know, because I'm connected with all of these employees across the company and we're a global company. So most of these employees never get a chance to meet me in person. They see me, you know, give maybe some financial results or, or a safety minute at a quarterly meeting. And, you know, they, other than that, they they have no idea who I am. So you know what I I try to give a little window into that, and it's been hugely successful. So I have uh, internally, I've, I have employees that follow me because they want to know, you know, uh, see the scooter pick or know what's what I'm thinking about. And then also because we're a sustainability company, you know, the the actual posts that I do in that area um, are aligned with our purpose and kind of inspirational that uh, an executive's 
putting themselves out there and really um, showing the passion around that subject. So I've always thought of them in those three buckets and I've I've experimented a lot. And it's really just been in the, the last couple of months, I've focused a lot more on in-house counsel and ESG. Um, partially, you know, I just really see that resonating. Once I started doing the visual content, so now I'm doing, you know, some infographics and carousels and stuff like that. Um, before that, my my sustainability content was always my worst performing. Like it all, it never got as many views, comments, likes, you know. And I, I think in general, people just I, I was making it too technical, and folks just didn't know really what to say or what to do with it. Even if you know they really wanted to support me personally, they're like, "Huh, what do I say about?" carbon emissions, you know, I don't know. Uh, but now that I have it in, I have it higher level and in a visual format, I'm finding that people are really understanding it and I'm getting great relationships. I'm getting direct messages from, from folks on the subject that where I can actually help them. Um, and so I've just evolved over that time. Um, the, the thing that I always say when, when people ask me, what, what have you gotten, you know, what's the best thing you've gotten out of it? It's, it's a relationship. So just building relationships with people that I, that I really like, and that's, that's what happening in the first month. And, you know, Sean, I can't believe that it was so early that I got in contact with you because what I, what I typically do, you know, I, I look for creators who are doing something different, um, and that are producing their own content. So not, you know, sharing an article, but really producing their own stuff and doing something different. And as soon as I started seeing your posts, I'm like, that's different. That's an in-house counsel doing something different. I want to encourage that guy and reach out to him. But, the, you know, you hit my feed really fast. Thank you. No, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. It really, again, you've been, uh, you've been a, a great mentor and advisor through this whole process. So what you're saying there about buckets, Christine, uh, resonates. I tend to think about what I do in, in buckets as well. And I, th I think a lot of people, when they think about creating content as professionals, say it would be basically the first bucket you refer to, like your, your like sustainability, like the one that relates directly to the subject matter of your expertise. And as you were saying, that was also your worst performing content for a long time, which which tracks. That makes sense. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm interested to dig in a little bit there is one thing I, I learned was that it's okay to have more than one bucket. And if, if you're interested in growing your network, you probably need to have more than one bucket, particularly if your area of expertise is fairly specific. I, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I run across people regularly who talk to me about wanting to grow their network and they have a very specific niche and they insist on posting about their specific niche mm -hmm. all the time. And that's all they want to talk about. And it's, well, that's you, you don't get to have it both ways. You, you don't, if you're talking about something that very few people talk about, you can be really effective. And I'm, I'm, I have no doubt that the stuff you were doing in that, in that area was having an impact on the people who were seeing it. It's like, if you want to have a broader reach, 
you need to go broader with with where you're at. And I should I should note that I'm actually the I'm the small one in this conversation in terms of network size. Where um, Christine, you're about to break nine thousand. Uh, Sean, you're at you're pushing eighty five hundred or so. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I I um I did I wanted to note that about the buckets is I think that is a really important point, Christine. But when you were describing how now it's working, I had a couple things. Number one, are you making your own carousels, or do yeah. you have you, you're doing that yourself? Yeah, I'm doing it myself. Right. I I do have to give Sarah Louise credit. Uh, Sean knows this, but I, I signed up for a three month program with her, and it it revolutionized my uh, you know canvas skills. So yeah, I I create all my own content and visuals. Wow, that's I am. I'm impressed. Nicely mm -hmm. done. <laughs> That's yeah. It, it was really, you know, I tried Canva, I tried visuals before, and it was slow, and they were so-so. Um, but really, you know, learning the, it's taking some time to learn the skills made a huge difference. All right. So you're somebody who I, I just imagine, has a lot on. Like you, just thinking about what your calendar looks like makes me anxious. Um, <laughs> Yeah. How do you see how to articulate the question? Like spending the time on that sort of thing as like what what's what you're thinking in terms of the ROI on on that time yeah. investment? Uh, I I actually love doing it. It's it's a mm. hobby. Uh, and I, I do even if I'm creating, you know, an infographic on how to, you know think of sustainability as risk management, like that does not sound exciting, but I love, you know, figuring out how can I present that? And honestly, I wake up on Saturday and Sunday mornings and for the, you know, first few hours, I create content for the week. And mm. uh, I love doing that. It's not like, oh, I dread getting up on Saturday. I listen to your podcast while I'm drinking my coffee. And then I rip out some, some content and I do have to make the content on the weekends because, posting it, you know, during the week is, is the most I can do. And some days I can't, mm -hmm. can't post it, post anything because I, I have timing issues. I usually, I work a lot with Europe. So the best time to post is my go time for meetings and calls and all that kind of thing. So I have to pick, you know, when I post because you want to be there and answer the comments and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, ha I love it. And I use my weekend time to actually create the content. Right on that. There, there are a few really valuable tips in there about batching content and, mm -hmm. and just that idea of loving the creation of the thing is such a, uh, a divergence from how, I mean, certainly how I, I was responsible for some content creation for one law firm I was at, you know, for, for LinkedIn and for our firm blog and that sort of thing. And it was always like pulling teeth. It just, all of it felt um, challenging and difficult. So like, I, I love that idea of like figuring out how to love it. You know, like, like how do you, how do you make that I think it's so really different when you're producing, like when it's just your voice. So I, we, we do have company articles and blogs and stuff like that. 
I rarely contribute to that. Um, and it's not that I don't love my company or what we do. Um, it's, it's, uh, I, I just get more personal satisfaction out of making it my voice. Uh, and I do think it has good company impacts. I've met people who are, as a result, interested in learning more about the company, especially, you know, of course, the sustainability content. Um, I've, I've won awards for sustainability that have gotten us good press and that kind of thing. So I do think there's a company benefit to me developing, um, you know, a reputation in, in this area. But I, what makes it satisfying is like, okay, I get to speak in my voice. I get to make it you know, how I want it to look or feel or what I want it to say. And Sean, you were nodding along when Christine was talking about loving it. So it sounds like you're, that's how you think about it as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mentioned that in terms of, of the actual practice and doing it, but you know, uh, as Christine kind of pokes fun at me sometimes, there, there's, uh, there's a part of it that that I didn't like, and I experimented, and that's, you know, I got motivated seeing Christine do these amazing carousels, and lots of other people were doing them, and so for like, I don't know, four or five times, I really gave it a shot and and tried to see if I could if I could make it work, and and I would feel okay about what they how they look but it just felt like the engagement wasn't there and it wasn't really resonating with people and everything and so so I actually kind of wrote one final carousel saying this is why I'm done with carousels and gave a few reasons and, and the key thing was there at the end is like I'm not enjoying this I, I don't like kind of picking the colors I don't like moving these things around I don't like finding the images it's like look I'm doing this solely for my my enjoyment um, and, and if there's something that, that I'm not liking, I need to stop because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not a job. It's not something like that. I'm glad I tried it out for a while. Maybe I'll try it again. Um, no promises, Christine. Um, I sent you the color palettes. Yes. I, I know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah if, if you're not enjoying it, it's, it's, it's going to come off more like what you were talking about, Tony, when you're trying to, when you're trying to write content for other people that's not that's not your own voice it's uh the the enjoyment factor is going to be going to be different there naturally mm. and the truth is it's it consistency is key and it's a long game so if you and if you don't like it you're you're not going to stick out in the long game yeah you're not going to make it well yeah. so as i'm as i'm like building this business where i'm helping lawyers and law firms leverage the platform that we are so lovingly talking about. Um, I have started paying more attention to the legal industry's presence on LinkedIn. And I really hadn't been for, for the first almost year that I was contributing. I just, I, I had moved on from, from the industry and uh, I was focused on basically the nonprofit sector and then sort of the creative corner of LinkedIn, though that's where I was playing. Um, and once I started paying more attention to the legal corner of LinkedIn, well, number one, I was having a little bit of a challenge finding a legal. And when I say corner, I mean, there are like the sales corner is to me like the ultimate corner where it's just, there are thousands of sellers contributing to conversations daily. And there are these really robust conversations happening all the time and the connections you're talking about where the two of the two of you have never met in person right but you're you, you're supporting one another 
on a weekly basis. You're engaging over the course of the last year in DMs and you know, like Sean, you're talking about how Christine has influenced how you think about content creation and what you are making. Um, and like those sorts of influences are kind of how a corner evolves. So the question I'm getting at is the best I can tell the legal corner of LinkedIn at the moment consists of about 15, almost entirely in-house counsel. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and and there are some others, you know, there are some, there's like Eli Albrecht, no, no relation. Uh, Jonathan Pollard comes to mind. Um, you know, there, there are a few others who come to mind. Alex Sue obviously is, is somebody, but it, but um, so my question is, is there a legal corner of the platform that I'm missing where there are a bunch of lawyers like engaging with one another? Um, and if not, I don't think I'm missing one. Uh, do you have a theory as to why you are two of like the 15 members of, of what I'm calling the official legal corner of LinkedIn? Like why, why, why it looks like that? Yeah, it, it is really strange. I'll say when I first started posting, I went out and I did the same thing. I looked for the legal corner um, and I actually, you know, I started... Uh, I read this book, Networked, that that a lot of my connections now are in, and it uh, was 21 women who um, started using LinkedIn. And I went out and I like followed all of them and sent them DMs, and I was shocked they actually responded. And there are a lot of them are, are some of my real key contacts today. Um, and, you know, it is, I find it really shocking that it's big, the big voices are in-house counsel because we are not trying to win clients. Um, we don't really make any money off of it. Um, usually what we get is opportunities to do more work for free for <laughs> um, in terms of <laughs> articles or whatnot it is. Uh, and there's such a huge missed opportunity for law firm attorneys. Um, the one that I that I love that I feel like is really stepping out is David Edgar with his M&A Minutes. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I saw that, Kind of like Sean, I was messaging him because I'm like, this guy is doing something different. This is awesome. Mm. Um, but I think that the legal profession is just really conservative and really scared to do anything other than here's an article from my firm blog. Um, and, and just that, you know, putting yourself out there that publicly somehow feels um like it will hurt your, your reputation or you'll be seen in, in the, in a wrong light. And it's, it's, it's odd. Um, just very, very conservative. And then, you know, for in-house counsel, like it, it's going to be a, a set crew that, that really enjoys it because we don't have an economic motivation. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that, I think that's exactly right. I do think just in my head, I think that number 15 is a, a little small, like I can think of a few more people, but but yeah, it, it feels like a a pretty finite, discrete set, not not this you know just huge group of people, just new people constantly exchanging ideas or anything like that. Um, I think you're right. I mean, I David as well. I I, I think of him. Um, I think I I caught him pretty early as as well. 
Um, and and Eli, as you mentioned, uh, Tony, and there there are a few others that that are in law firms, but yes, it does seem to be dominated by in-house. The one thing I'd say, Tony, is have you looked at if, if you're seeing if you're wondering if you're missing a big piece of it, have you looked at the legal tech side? Because there they yeah. do seem yeah. more active, like people from legal tech companies, um, whether they're lawyers or not, are in a hybrid role where they're kind of a GC, but also head of community and things like that. I, I do see more. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. The legal tech companies are really interesting. They they are really trying to come out and leverage social media as a selling tool. And, and you know, uh, Sean said head of community. There's a couple of really forward thinking ones that kind of hire personalities that promote. And so they they are much more ahead of the, the curve. Do any specific people come to mind? I mean, obviously, Alex would be one. It, uh, as, as Alex, uh, Matt Margolis. Um, Matt Margolis, yeah. Um, uh, Colin, what's Colin's last name? Levy. Le Levy, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Jessica Wynn um, at, uh, at Lexion. Um, she's in that hybrid role where she's, you know, chief legal officer, but also does uh, is kind of a public place for the company. So there, there are definitely a few like that. Olga Mack, I mean, like she's been on the platform forever. Mm -hmm. She was a, a, you know, she was on the platform because before really anybody was using it that way and uh, a total powerhouse. Yeah. And actually Olga, I only ran across her for the first time about a month ago. I was like, whoa, like she was, it's amazing that she yeah. was doing essentially what we're talking about back in like 2015. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think my brain might've exploded had I run across what she was doing at that time, yeah. just totally would not have computed. Um, yeah, that's, that's, um, yeah. So I, Sean, your point about legal tech is well taken. And I think that's, that is right. And I'm, so my my interest personally, and at this point, yeah, you know, I've I've staked my family's future, is is on the legal industry, kind of catching on. And frankly, to your point, Christine, seeing the the business development upside to um, to the platform in a way that uh, doesn't, like you're saying, doesn't quite apply to you two. But I think your approaches and what you're describing here are instructive to people in law firm settings as they're starting to, well, number one is the people who are going to be coming online and producing content. Like your mindset is the mindset that they need to start thinking about because if we approach it with the, the mentality we've had. One of the interesting things I've had like very large firm, big global firm lawyers tell me that they grab my visuals and share them with clients. You know, so they 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 definitely see the value, which made me think I need to remember to put my name on my visuals as often I don't. Um, but the the um you know they they see the value in it. The but a lot of it it's also time, you know, how you think about time and and what's a what's a what's a good investment of of your time, which is a, a very particular area for, you know, big law folks. Um, I can see more opportunity for change in, in smaller, you know, law firms 
where they don't have the brand to just sell what they do and they need to build that personal brand more seems seems like those would be more early adopters mm -hmm. yeah I mean, yeah I'm, go ahead sean no i, I was gonna yeah, uh, agree with that and i kind of building off what, what what your question was i i myself wonder is the hesitation you know just the general uh conservative i don't mean politically conservative but just behaviorally conservative um uh mindset that that you know the big law firms have or is it or is it deeper than that is it is it fear meaning fear of you know if you're going to write something substantive are they thinking oh well this could be used as against one of my clients in litigation or something like this and I mean, I, I have that fear sometimes too, and I always try to be lawyerly and include my, some little wiggle room that only I would notice, um, just in case it ever comes up in a, in a dispute. But I, but I get that. Um, but if I had to guess, I think it's, I think it's more the former. I think people are afraid of of putting themselves out there on the platform and um, and potentially being wrong and having you know worrying about their credibility or being seen as not not serious uh for for taking the time to do that if i had to guess i would think that those were yeah i think that being seen by their law firm is not not serious definitely happens i think there's law firms that are like hey if you're going to write something may put it on our marketing page which i think is totally wrong because nobody's going to read your marketing page um so it does it doesn't work but that that's how you know a lot uh approach it so there there's just a, a number of factors that that come into it and you know, to be successful on social media, you have you have to be willing to put a, a part of yourself out there. You have to show up authentically. You you know you can't just put a bright shiny brand off because no nobody wants to read that. Like they they want to see the human, and that's the scary part. I think that's spot on. And so, you know, part of this this podcast, uh, why we do this, is to encourage people to what you just said, Christine, to consider putting more of themselves out there and contributing to conversations. Uh, and I, I've really appreciated how the two of you are, are talking about the benefits in that, I mean, largely it's like, it, it makes our lives better. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's not a transactional thing where we're, we have this direct ROI number. Uh, but it's something that very clearly is enriching in a way that comes with, I mean, for me, there have been myriad benefits and some of them do have numbers I can attach to them, but some of them don't. They just, I, I feel like I'm a better person for for having you know, met folks like you and engaging with you and learning from you. Um and also sharing, you know, what I have to to contribute to the conversations as well. So, with that in mind, what advice would you have for people uh, who are on the fence about, or maybe feel like they they want to be contributing more? They feel like maybe they feel like they should, but how do you get started? So, my advice when that comes up is always always start with comments. Start with comments on other people's threads. And that does a couple of things. First of all, it lets you kind of start to put yourself out there a little bit because you're writing something that is then out there public. But for the most part, nobody's 
paying attention to uh, the comments other than the people who are actively involved on that thread already. And um, and so you, you kind of get your feet wet, got to figure out, you know, what's your writing style, what works, what doesn't work. Um, and then the other thing that it does is you start building relationships right there. People, um, other than the absolute, you know, huge mega creators with hundreds of thousands of followers, I think most, most people will, will recognize the names of the people who comment on their threads regularly, and they will be more inclined to then uh, support you if and when you do start posting, and you will also see that their their fellow commenters are probably going to, there's going to be a large overlap with your commenters when you get started. You could really build relationships that way. And and I I don't remember now if that was my intent. I mean, I did start commenting about six weeks before I started posting, um, but I think it was, I think it was more the former of just, let me get my feet wet a little bit. I wasn't thinking about actually building relationships. I thought nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to recognize my name, but, but people did just by, just by regularly commenting. And so by the time I started, then I had at least a, a small audience, but a small active audience who already kind of knew who I, who I was and was eager to start kind of listening to what I had to say. Mm. I always give the same advice, uh, start with comments. I, I have to say before, uh, two things. One, before I started posting, I thought LinkedIn comments were inane. Like I just didn't understand them at all. I'm like, why do why do I have this thread of 50 people agreeing with each other? And it just didn't, it didn't make any sense. And then I, I'm geeky enough. Like I literally bought a book on how to do LinkedIn and I, and I read it, you know, right. Cause that's, that's just what I do for anything. Mm. And then, you know, the book was talking about how, why the comments are important, that it, it really feeds the creators and the algorithm and how, you know, your, your micro creators like us value them, that kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, aha. So I started commenting and then I realized, oh, we're just talking about the weather. You know, that's, it's nice if you leave a really substantive comment, that's really the best. Um, sometimes you don't have one, but you think about it like going to a cocktail party and you're just kind of in that initial feeling each other out zone and then you start commenting and before long, you know, you're taking it into a deeper conversation in the direct messages, you might have a virtual coffee, you know, that kind of thing. It's a, it's a slow build. So I always tell people to start with the comments. I'm not sure I did. Um, the other thing I tell folks is just just start. Like your first posts probably aren't gonna be good. Seth was an exception or sorry, Sean was an exception, uh, but they, they probably won't, and they probably won't get a lot of likes or whatnot, but there's there's no way, you know, we, I think particularly as lawyers, we want to jump, if we're going to put ourselves out there, we want it to be absolutely perfect, like you want to just land the triple lets. it's not going to happen, you have to, the only way to learn to post is to post and see, see what works and experiment over time, and so I, I, the other thing that I really believe people, and I know I had this, like when I started posting, I really wasn't sure how my company would react. I was just putting mm. it out there. I'm, you know, at a kind of somewhat conservative French company. Um, and I was like, hmm, I don't really know what they're going to do with this. Uh, but all, all I, then all I got was positive feedback and support along the way. And so I realized, you know, the, this, you know, thing that I was afraid of wasn't really going to happen. And then once you kind of develop you start building that confidence, then you just go kind of further and further out there on the ledge. That's great stuff. Um, and 
yeah, my on the day we're recording this, my post this morning was actually about the importance of comments. So I, I certainly yeah. agree with that. And I was, I was amazed once I started paying attention to LinkedIn that, Oh, not all comments are just great posts, you know, just like you're saying, just people agreeing with, with one another, that that's actually an opportunity to, you know, like, contribute in a meaningful way it's also an opportunity to just like show what you know or like if if you have the ability to be funny it's very possible to be funny in a way that that's rewarding and and also an amazing way to get access to people that you otherwise would not have any opportunity to to talk to in a way that can be pretty wild um so cool. Well, I I want to be mindful of your time. And and as we mentioned, I got to get to swim lessons today. Yeah. I'm um, glad you're learning to swim. Yes. Yes. It's It's been a while. I'm, I'm talking about trying a triathlon later this year for the first time. I really don't like swimming. And, <laughs> and I also don't really care for biking all that much, recycling. So I'm like, I'm wondering if there's a way for me to do it where I just like don't practice those things and then just like go out and do it. See what happens. Yeah. Well, I, I, maybe they'll let me wear water wings, you know, like (laughs) I can wear floaties just to make sure I, I come out on the other side of the lake, but that's neither here nor there for the moment. Um, (laughs) I really appreciate both of you being willing to, to come talk to me, uh, for the pod. Um, Obviously, your uh, LinkedIn profiles will be included in the show notes. Um, is there anywhere else you would like me to direct people toward to learn more about you or what you do? Yeah. For me, LinkedIn's really the place. I, I've tried to expand out into other things, but LinkedIn is is what's fixed. Me too. Scooter has an Instagram. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yep. No, um, say, same for me. LinkedIn is really the only uh, only place. I, I I will say that um, I think by the time this this episode is is airing, I, I'll be in a new job. I'll be a, a the general counsel for Tech GC, and so I may or may not be up on that page by that time. But I but I should kind of shortly thereafter. Well, congratulations in the future for beginning the the new role. Are you staying in Texas? Yeah, staying is the same, the same, same office I've had for the last eight years of working remotely. So um uh, gonna gonna work from home. Right on. Cool. Well, thank you both for being here. And um, you know, obviously for me it's it's a pleasure to talk to to more lawyers who are doing this thing so well. Um, so selfishly, you know, thank you for coming and, and educating me and um and maybe we'll run it back one of these days. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening. As always, please consider leaving a review. Five five star? I mean, wasn't that a five star conversation? On Apple Podcasts, it really does help us out. Um, And yeah, thank you as always for listening. We'll be back uh, next week with two of my favorite people uh, on this platform, (laughs) Claire Parsons and Rob Gilbert. 
Um, Claire's sort of a newer favorite person. Rob's one of the original favorites for me. Until next time, see you out there in Linky Land.